0: Please take your Bibles and turn to the book of First Timothy, chapter two. First Timothy chapter two, we'll read verses eight through fifteen. Our so our focus verses this afternoon will be verses eleven and twelve. This is the word of the Lord. I pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands, without wrath. In like women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not or pearls or costly clothing, but which is professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. And I do not authority over a man but to be in silence. For Adam, then Eve and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness with self-control. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, thank you again, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, that you have not left us to grope about in the dark, to wonder what we are to believe about you, or how we are to live before your face, or even the very grave and deathly consequences because of sin. You have not left us, Lord, to wonder what are we going to do about our sinful plight, but you have given to us your son, Jesus Christ, the living word, to die, to be a ransom for us, and to be resurrected from the grave, that we too might have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And So Father, we thank you for this time to hear your word read and to hear it preached, and ask Lord that you by your Holy Spirit will be working in our hearts to make application, cause us to believe, and cause us to practice what you have put before us, that we may bring glory to your name. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Anytime a restriction is placed upon us, it causes us often in our human nature to bristle or to to resist or to oppose that restriction, even to wonder, why is this being restricted to us? Why are we being prohibited from doing this? What's being withheld from us that might be good or something that we want? And we look at restrictions as being something negative, something that is depriving us of something good or something that we want to do. Much like a little child who might want to run out into the street chasing a ball that he's thrown out there, and you restrict him from doing so, he may wonder, why are you doing that? Because he wants that ball. And getting that ball is a good thing. But he doesn't know the better thing that you are trying uh, to do for him. And as we have just read in Genesis chapter 3, Satan used this same tactic. Eve when tempting them. He made it look like God was depriving them of something that they should have or that they would want, that God was withholding something that they deserve to have, putting a restriction on them. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 11 to 15 may also look like it is a restriction on women, withholding something from them that they may seek to have. But it is from this passage has been accused of being a, an oppressor of women, a male chauvinist, and seeking to keep power for men alone. And those who follow this passage of Scripture and believe it and put it to practice in their life and in their churches also fall under those accusations. But a close for us that Paul is seeking the best for women, and not only women, but for the church. He is seeking the best for them, for the whole body of Christ. Last where we saw that, that God considers a, a woman to dress in a particular way who is going to profess godliness, how they should dress, putting on modesty and good works, not dressing for their own glory, not dressing for their own attention, but their their adornment, their dressing would be for the glory of God. And this is especially true in the public worship of God, which is the context in which we find these verses. How we are to behave in the household of God when we meet for worship. What are we to do? And so dressing, a woman dressing in a godly way is particularly important so that others are not distracted from what we're here for. To worship God, not to look at each other, not to evaluate each other, but to worship God. Paul says that these are good works, that a woman professing godliness, dressing this way, uh, dressing with good works rather than dressing ornamentally, seeking to gain glory for herself, but dressing with the good works that God has called her to do. This is what women who profess godliness will be doing. And so we're looking at this next passage under that same theme, women professing godliness, And part of the good works that a woman who is professing godliness, a testimony of faith in God and following God and his word, part of those good works is going to include what the Spirit is teaching us now in verses 11 and 12. While it is very clear that there are restrictions on women in the household of God, there are also restrictions on men. There are also restrictions on men. They're not said here yet, but they're about to be said in 1 Timothy chapter 3. So I say that not to soften the blow of what Paul is saying now, but for us to realize that each and every one of us in the house of God have restrictions placed on us. Restrictions that are good for us and restrictions that are good for the body of Christ. But here in these, in these two verses, verses 11 and 12, The Holy Spirit is focusing on women in this passage, women who are professing godliness and what they are to be doing, and so we shall, too, focus on that right now. And I want to say to you statedly that women professing godliness do the good works they are called to when they take up their God-given and God-blessed roles in the church. Women professing godliness do the good works that God has called them to when they take up their God given and God blessed roles in the church. And I want us to see this uh, through the scripture here in three ways. Women professing godliness will learn, they will learn. Verse 11. Secondly, women professing, professing godliness will learn in silence and submission. Also in verse 11. And then thirdly, women professing godliness will learn without seeking to be teachers of men and have an authority over men. And all three of those points come right out of these verses, almost word for word. And that's how we're going to look at this passage. So let's first then look at verse 11. Women professing godliness will learn. You might consider me pointing out that statement that women will learn as being a huge understatement. Or a simple statement, of course women are to be learning, we might say. But in Paul's day and in some other uh, world religions, this is a radical thing to say. It's a radical thing to say that women should also be learning. And one of the things that is unique about Christianity, as opposed to many other religions, is its elevation of women. It's elevation of women to a biblical status that is already there in the Bible. Contrary to what our media here in this country and across the world or in our culture may say, Christianity is a faith that elevates women to a godly status, to the status that God has them. And if you look at other religions in Paul's day, the pagans, and even in our day, you're going to see that women are not looked at as equals with men but as second-class citizens. For example, in Islam, women are seen as the reason for much sin in a man's life. And they are blamed for that because they are a woman. And and the, the Islamic men would see her as being the problem for him having a lust problem. And so they cover them. They restrict them in ways that the Bible does not. But in Christianity, we are instructed differently. We do, because of what the Bible teaches us, believe in the equal value of women and men. We believe both man, men and women were created in God's image. Man is no more in God's image than women are. And yet, sometimes that is how men treat women. And that is part of the problem. Galatians 3.28 teaches us there is neither Jew nor Greek there is e- neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And Peter reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, he tells us that we are co-heirs, speaking particularly about husband and wife there in that passage, but we are co-heirs of the grace of life. We are equal in God's grace, co-heirs of the grace of life. And part of the problem in the church, which has reared its head in times past and does now, is that women are treated as second-class Christians. And men, if you do this, you're not in step with God's word. You're not in step with God's word and what he teaches us about men and women. And if you are doing this, you are missing the point of this passage particularly, and you are sinning against God, against women, and against the body of Christ. So Paul instructs women here in the first part of verse 11, women who are professing godliness, those who are professing to know God and to follow God in this way and how they are to behave in the house of God, that it is a good work for a woman to be learning. It's a good work of women professing godliness to be learning. And since we are in this context of how we behave in the household of God, certainly this means to be learning of Christ, to be learning of God's word and God's will and all that he has for us to learn. It is not just for men. It is not just for certain people to be learning God's word. But Paul says, let a woman learn. Let her learn. So I want to say to our congregation today, women of all ages, from our youngest to our oldest, you are to be learning. You are to be actively engaged with hearing the teaching and the preaching of God's Word just like anybody else is to be doing. And you are to be reading so that you may learn. You are to be reading good, proper theological books that you may learn just like a man may learn, that you may learn... The truth about God and the Holy Scriptures are for you to dig into, to listen to attentively to the preaching and teaching of the Word, and this is a good work, and you are called to do it here. Let the women learn. One of many Paul's one of Paul's many prayers for the church, uh, we find in Colossians one verses nine to twelve, where he says, "For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you." And to ask you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. When Paul says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. He's talking about all of you. All of you. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. All of you that you may have spiritual understanding. So that all of you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing in him and bearing fruit. And so as Paul states this here in 1 Timothy 2, verse 11, where he says, let the women learn. He really means that. He really means that you are to be learning just as much as anyone else. You are to be asking questions if you don't understand something. You are to be studying the Word, listening to preaching, reading good theological books. There is nothing in the arena of of God's Word that men learn that a woman, that a young lady, that a child should not and could not be learning. You are to learn. And men, we are to make sure that they are learning. As husbands and as fathers and others in the church, as elders, we are to be making sure that our women are learning God's word. Well, the Spirit then turns our attention to how you are to learn. What posture, we might say, that you are to be taking while you're learning, especially in the household of God. And so we look here now and see in the last part of verse 11 that women professing godliness... We'll learn in silence and submission. Ladies of all ages here with us this afternoon and and whoever are listening to us in other ways, I hope you are learning God's word in our worship. I hope you are learning God's word through the preaching and the teaching. I hope you are learning God's word even as you sing it back to him from the book of Psalms in praise. So as we look at this verse and we see that it says that they are to learn in silence with all submission, it doesn't mean that you can't be singing God's word of praise. You are it's not that kind of silence that Paul is asking for her for here. This part of the submission is really an introduction to what it will be the next verse. Primarily uh, letting you know what's coming here in the next verse that you're not to be teaching over men or having authority over men. But it also addresses something else. Rather than just introducing us to verse 12, it addresses the issue of the heart. It calls you to take a posture of humility when learning the word and will of God in the household, during a faith, in the preaching, in the teaching of God's word. Brothers and sisters, I also want you to know that there's not a man in here that that doesn't apply to as well. That you are to be learning. Even as I'm preaching, you are to be hearing. You are to be meditating. You are to be thinking about what you're hearing from God's Word. And you are to be doing it in silence and submission. You are to be submitting to God's Word, quietly God's Word. And so while it is being pointed out for women for this particular uh, situation here, and in these particular verses, it applies to all of us. And I know it applies to all of us because you're practicing it right now. Nobody is standing up and saying, Oh, I want to teach this, or I want to say this, or or, I disagree with that. You may not even agree all that you hear at times. But both men and women are to be listening and learning in silence and submission. Learning in silence because on the one hand, the hearing of God's word, the preaching of it is ordained by God, and you are ordained to hear it and receive it. This is not the time for back and forth. This is not the time uh, for people getting up and stating their opinions or even people uh, you know, talking about what's being said to one another, which could have been part of the problem in Paul's day, that there was confusion there was disorderliness. We are to be taking in God's Word and meditating on it as it is preached, seeking to hear God and what he is saying to us. And doing that with humble hearts. Again, while it is being pointed out for women, Paul is not saying, now you men, you don't have to do this. He's just addressing the women right now. But he also spoke of this to the Corinthian church and sorting out the confusion that was going on there in their worship services. In 1 Corinthians 14, 33-35, he says this, For God is not the author of confusion... But a peace as in all let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. It's not shameful for you to open your mouth and sing the psalms. What he's talking about is for women getting up and teaching as he is here in 1 Timothy. So this is not just for the Corinthians, not just for the Ephesians, but he says for all the churches of the saints where Timothy was, where Paul was, where they had ministered, where Titus was, where all the churches were being formed by the gospel. And so the women of the church should be learning, learning all they can, taking all they can in, studying, reading, just like men should be doing and learning uh, God's word and learning in the school of Christ. As I mentioned, verse 11 is not only instruction for how the women are to learn in the public worship of, of God, but it is an introduction to more instruction, which we find in verse 12, which the women are to be learning to submit to, even what's being said here in verse 12. And in verse 12, we have this, women professing godliness will learn all that they can, receive and hear all they can, and they will do this without seeking to be a teacher of men or have authority over them. We now come to this passage, this part of the passage, that is somewhat uh, another time in our life where it is a hot button in the life of the church, in the evangelical church world. It's not a hot button because what Paul is saying is not clear. It is clear. He is saying that a woman cannot teach or have authority over a man in the church. So women are prohibited from teaching men God's word and having authority over them. And this is in the context of how we are to behave in the household of God and referring to a woman holding this official office of the pastor, elder, teacher as these duties are assigned to men. It's a hot issue because both men and women are not willing to submit to the teaching of God's Word. And that is really truly the case. This issue of women seeking to be preachers is not just a woman thing. Men are contributing to it because both men and women are not submitting to God's Word. Even what we would call some gospel preaching churches truly gospel preaching churches are, are allowing and leading women to be misled about this teaching they make the claim that if god has gifted a woman to be a teacher why then would he not let her teach why would she not then be able to practice that gift and apply it to And by doing this, they are pitting the word of God against the word of God in confusion. And I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul, by the way, women are not allowed to teach. He says women are not allowed to teach or have authority over men. He does say that, but women, in fact, are called to teach. They are to be teachers. A virtuous wife. She opens her and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Just because the Bible prohibits a woman from holding an office like elder or pastor or preacher and doesn't allow her to teach in the worship service of God doesn't mean she doesn't have a role as a teacher. Because we can look at another uh, pastoral epistle from Paul as he wrote to Titus in chapter 2 verse 1-5 that Titus uh, This was Paul's instruction to him. Teach sound doctrine, which includes godly women teaching good things, admonishing the young women to love their husbands and children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Verse 12 is not instruction about the value of women. We've established that. Women are co-heirs of grace. Women are created in the image of God just like men. Women have gifts. Women are to be learning. Verse 12 is instruction to women and men, not about but about roles and function. How you are to apply those things which God has given you. And so a woman is not to teach men or have authority over them. She is not to be holding the office of pastor or elder. But she is to teach her children. She is to teach other women. This is sound doctrine that both men and women must be submitting to. And men do not have the authority to give women this place or this position to be teaching or having authority over men. And that's the position that some elders, some pastors have taken, that since God has placed them in a place of authority, that they now can give that authority to women and put them in this position. That since God has given them that, they believe they are now the authority. But they are not the authority. They have an authority. And they've been given uh, responsibilities and privileges, and things that they are called to do, but this is all under God's authority. Because the church doesn't belong to the elders. The church doesn't belong to the pastor. Sometimes I will hear people say, when they're talking about a certain church, and they'll say, oh, that's uh, Pastor John's church. Well, that's a mentality that says, Pastor John is in charge of that church. Pastor John is there, and he's the ruling authority. And we need to not think that way. Because the authority that is given to elders and pastors as office holders is delegated to them from he who has all authority. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So no pastor or no elder, no group of elders has authority to give something that God has not given in his word. As I mentioned earlier, I would like our women to remember something else and the men to remember this as well. That men also are restricted. 1 Timothy chapter 3 tells us that only certain qualified men should be pastors and elders. And we're going to see that in a couple of weeks when we get to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Certain men can be elders and pastors, teachers, but not every man, not even if every man thinks he is qualified or is gifted, he has to come under the the authority of the church and the examination of the church. Ladies, you have a role in the church. It's a blessed role. You have a different role, a different function than some men, but you have a role, and it's an important role. And show how the gifts that God gives to women are valued. I am just asking the men, can you imagine if our women were not teaching our children? If our women were not teaching other women? If they were not teaching our other young women how to uh, love their husbands and raise their children? What a valued role you have. I think of my role even as a pastor and a preacher. Once a week, basically, on the Lord's Day, and Wednesday if you're there, I get to preach to you and instruct you in God's Word. But what does a woman who is a mother get to do? Seven days. She gets to teach her children. Seven days a week, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. She has this wonderful role of teaching children and teaching young ladies the things of God's word. What a blessed role. What an impact and what a what an important role that you do have. You have a value than what a man has in the church. But you have one, and it is one you should be seeking to carry out. In the role of being a quiet and submissive learner of God's Word, women professing godliness will pursue that wholeheartedly. And here, as Paul is talking to us, you have a a role of submitting to the Word of God in that you are instructed not to seek this other function that the Lord has not given you. Because we operate best as Christian people when we operate according to God's way, God's word, and God's will. That is what is best for the whole body of Christ. And that is what is best for each one of us as well. So your role is not to teach men or hold the office of authority as a pastor or elders, but your role is to teach. You do this by example for your families. You do this by example to people that you may work with. And by the church you attend. And by your words to those in the churches who would say, well, we don't believe that. But even your attendance here at a church that believes this and preaches this is a teaching opportunity. I was uh, just a few weeks ago when I was in Colorado for the installation of one of our pastors, uh, another pastor and I got on a a tram in the airport and a lady across from him uh, started talking to him and so said, uh, what are you guys doing here? And he said, we're here for the installation of a pastor in a church. And he, the pastor said, are you a church woman? Do you go to church? No, I, but I do appreciate the church, especially when they value women. You could see where this conversation was going, and it didn't go very far because we were getting off the tram and getting off at our gate. But you could see where she was heading, that she didn't like the church because she thought it was not valuing women, But when those churches did value women and make them equal in function, as opposed to just value, then she could appreciate that. Well, I am grateful for the grace of God working in the hearts of our women here and the hearts of our men, just like about modest dress. We don't have a big problem with that from all appearances but we still must, as we did about that, we must still look at this. We don't have women clamoring to be teachers and women clamoring to be elders. And we should all be grateful for that. But that, that is God's grace working in the life of the church. But we also must not just say, well, that doesn't apply to us. Uh, we must look inwardly and make sure that that's not in our hearts. We must make sure that we as men and women are not beginning to slide and buckle and cave to our culture and even in the culture of the church, that we would abandon this scripture. And that's the problem with this issue is not whether women can be good teachers. They can be. The issue is, do we believe God's word? Do we believe it is His will? And are we willing to follow it just like we saw this morning? We know what God's will is here. It's, it is proclaimed to us. The women are not to be teachers and over men and have authority over them, holding that office of pastor, elder. And this may be difficult. I don't know for our ladies in your hearts. I surmise that it is not that difficult, but I'm not going to act like I know. But I would say this to you, and this applies to men as well. However many times you may feel like you are being restricted by something, by God's Word, but especially ladies, however you may feel even at this moment like you're being restricted or held back and not not giving equal function because the office of pastor, office, uh, elder, or teacher is not yours, remember that you have a person to follow by example. And it's not Paul and it's not Peter. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, who submitted himself to the will of his Father, saying, Not my will, but thy will be done. Who, though he was a son, humbly and quietly learned obedience by the things he suffered. He took on more restrictions in the three years that he was living on earth than you will ever take on your whole lifetime. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And so pointedly and particularly, I would say, look at Jesus Christ. See what restrictions he took upon himself for the glory of God and for the salvation of his people. And to have that same willingness and that same uh, humble heart as he did. And I would ask you, because this passage, Paul does call out, To the ladies, how much are you willing to submit to for the sake of the gospel? How much are you willing to submit to for the sake of the gospel? And men, how much are you willing to value women as Christ did for the sake of the gospel? Ladies, just as you profess godliness in how you dress, and that godliness is a matter of the heart. Dressing is a matter of the heart. So is learning and submitting to God's word and being willing to fulfill the God-given role that he has given you and gifted you for and not seeking the roles or the functions that he has not. This is women professing godliness. So rather than if someone is bristling at this idea of being restricted in role, that God has given you in His plan of redemption, rejoice in the role that God has given you. Rejoice, in the role that God has given you that it is part of His plan of redemption. You have opportunities with your children and others to bring the good news of Jesus Christ, possibly earlier to your children than anyone else in the world. You and your husband, the parents. A woman submitting to God's word, rejoicing in the role that God has given you, is a woman professing godliness. And this is precious in the sight of God. So may we take that up. Men and women, taking our roles as God has given them to us. May the Lord help us to do so. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we do thank you again for your word. We do thank you, Father, for these clear instructions, and we pray, Father, that that we would in in the in a time of our lives that we live now, we are seeing all around us where people are denying this very particular scripture, this very particular word that you have set forth for us for blessing and for good. And may Lord, would you please help us to see it that way, see us, Lord, or help us, Lord, to see. There is blessing in following your word and that you will be faithful and that we will not be ashamed to do it. I do pray, Lord, that in our culture, in our day, you would turn the churches away who have denied this scripture, who are uh, allowing women to be preachers and elders. Lord, that they would see the error and how they are going against your word and your will and that they would, if they are of the faith, to turn back. Be corrected and practice those things which you have laid out before us clearly. We thank you for Christ, who took on so much restriction upon his life that he may bring salvation to us. As his followers, Lord, help us to also be humble in submitting ourselves to your will and not ours. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our Psalters, sing to God, verses 1 to 6, to the tune Franconia, number 163, Psalm 25, verses 1 to 6. Let's stand and sing God's words of praise.